You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come to today's episode, as always, please check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. I know I ask you to do this every single time we talk, but you really do want to do it this time. We are putting in a whole new amount of content this year as we start the new season. We're going to aim to put out daily content. There's loads of new shows coming up, loads of new things we've got planned. So it is a really good time to head over to YouTube and subscribe to Miami Heat UK TV. We'll have all of our podcast episodes on our usual game day from the UK live streaming show as well. They'll all be on there, plus lots more. So please do us a favour, go out there and hit that subscribe button. On to today's episode. And there was big news overnight. Uh, well, yesterday, the, uh, the, the the pursuit of Donovan Mitchell ends. It is officially run its back season for Miami. And to get into the guts of it, we have... We have both the Sams from our new uh, our group. Uh, Sam Aquara, the OG. How are you, sir? Doing good. How about you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm re- re-energised. I'm ready to get back into uh, the content this season. So great to have you on again on Heating Up the UK. And a newbie, that Sam Post, is with us. Sam has been writing for our website uh, for a couple of months now. He's put out some fantastic articles. Go over there, please miamiheatuk.com to check them out and this is his debut today actually talking to us he's going to be part of the game day from the uk stream but a pleasure to have sam on uh, heating up the uk sam how are you sir i'm good thank you yeah good stuff so very quickly before we get into anything uh, a quick introduction with yourself how did you get into the heat how long have you followed the heat um it's been just over a year now i started watching um tours of thailand the last season in the playoffs there and it's been a bit of a rocky one but um Look forward to watching next season for sure. Yeah, I mean that that's mad. So have you have you literally just picked up the NBA in the space of a year? Pretty much. Yeah, all, I've done my best. That that's insane because if you went and read some of Sam's articles, the knowledge is off the scales already. So for you to only be a year in and already have such deep uh, sort of insight into the NBA and of course the Miami Heat is really really good. So great to have you on. So let's start, guys. Let's get straight into last night's. Well, the, uh, the the wash bomb, um, Donovan Mitchell is a cav, can you believe it, out of nowhere. New York, Nick, New York Knicks somehow managed to nix this once again. Um, before we sort of go into the nuts and bolts of all of it, um, look, we know what the Heat's plan was this off-season. Any faults or processes that they had was sort of blown apart when both uh, Utah decided they were going to reset and Brooklyn um, obviously were hit with the bomb that KD wanted out. Both of those players stipulated and put a desire towards Miami being a preferred landing spot. So Miami's plans were inevitably put on hold for whatever their game plan was to maybe get a chance to land one of these superstars. As we know now, both are off the table. KD opting to stay in Brooklyn now and Donovan Mitchell becoming a Cleveland Cavalier. Um, Sam, I'll get your Sam post. I will get your thoughts on this first, um, as you're the newbie. What did you think? Do you did first of all? Do you do you understand Miami's um, sort of desire to allow not to sort of hamstring themselves to do anything that might stop them 
acquiring one of these superstar players. I know hindsight is a wonderful thing now, and we'll get into the reaction on Twitter, which has been crazy. But do you get it? Do you understand why they did it? Would it have been what you would have done? Would you have just ignored it altogether and gone with your own plans? Or do you see what they did as the right move? I think it does make sense. If you're looking at if a style like Durant becomes available and you've already moved pieces for someone like House and Barnes earlier on in the window, or maybe extended hero means he's trade eligible for months, then you kind of count yourself out of that already. And even if you miss while swinging for uh, massive superstars like Durant or Mitchell, at least they kind of went out there and maybe they made an offer, maybe they didn't. But what kind of remains to be seen is what we do with the pieces that we have now that both of those are off the table. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the, the crazy thing is whenever anything doesn't go your way, look, I mean, I know the instant reaction is always a bit of anger because you feel like it, you, you, the, the off-season maybe will become a bit of a failure now. And we will get into that a bit more. Um, Sam Aquara, do you think that it has been a failure as of right now? We're now 24 hours later from the news. We've had a bit of time to process it. Do you think that, you know, there's criticism at the front office? I don't. I think that, I, I, I said, I don't know how pissed off everyone would be if exactly like Sam just said there, you went and extended Tyler or went into uh, into the luxury tax, uh, uh, catch yourself out by extending PJ Tucker. Um, and then missed out on an opportunity which you could have maybe achieved to get one of these whales. But do you get the other side of the fans that are angry to say that this has been a failure of an off-season? Um, well, first off, I'm going to start with saying the off-season isn't over yet. Yep. But to call this lost transaction being the Dodgen trade uh, failure, to me, is ridiculous, especially the people that are calling out the front office, because the only reason why we were in the conversation in the first place was the front office. Starting the off-season, we saw the Rudy Gobert trade, which literally pegged the market at a ridiculous rate, and there was no way we had the assets to pull up such a trade. The only reason why there was a hope that we would have done it is because of the sort of things that the front office have done in the past, i.e. what they did with Jimmy Butler, what they did with Kari, what they did with Grand Dragic. So, I think there's a bit of an expectations gap in the sense that people were expecting a lot more based on past performance, but being realistic, we didn't have the assets to pull it off. Well, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, when you look at the, uh, the I mean, the, the, the primary target here, as we know, was Kevin Durant. And when you heard of what the, um, the Nets were asking for, you know, there was no way really we could ever have got in, into this. Even if we even if we put everything on the table, which would have included ban, which we had no indication that the Heat office were were, uh, were going to do that. But even if we did, if you put Bam and Tyler Hero, the, the, from what we hear, it still wouldn't have been enough. I still would have wanted, you know, your all-star player, your, your young pieces, any sort of role players. Plus, they wanted draft capital if they were to do this. Miami just didn't have the arsenal to do that. Um, so in terms of, and coming back to your point there about, the, I agree with you, that the front office can't be deemed as a failure for what they've done. You've got to remember as well that these two players, these two superstar players, they listed Miami as a preferred landing spot because they know that it's a well-run organisation and that plays into it. You're not going to want to go and join a team that's a mess, that's garbage, you know, that, that makes a, you know, a mockery of things like this. Uh, they, want, they, they understand that the Miami Heat are a well-oiled machine from front to bottom. And that comes into the fact of why they become a desired destination. So I agree with you. Um, just going through, um, Sam Post, the trade to the Cavs for Donovan Mitchell. Um, Colin Sexton, Larry Markinen, three unprotected first-round picks, two pick swaps. 
Now, I'm not saying that that is out of reach for Miami. I think this is where some of the anger maybe comes in, is that maybe this could have been achieved. And I maybe think that if you look at Tyler Hero as a better option as, as Colin, uh, than Colin Sexton, I would I would say that. I would say that they're similar players, but I would put Tyler Hero ahead of him at the moment. So if you said maybe to match that offer of Tyler Hero, maybe Duncan Robinson, and then two first-round picks, as opposed to what the Cavs got, A, do you think that... Um, that um, uh, Utah would have accepted that offer uh, over the over the, um, the the Cleveland one, and B most importantly, would you do that? Because that's a hell of a lot to give up for a player like Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion. I mean, value-wise, it's probably better, as you said. Hero is a better player than Sexton, but I think it comes down to the money that they're paid. Sexton agreed to, I think it was four years, seventy-two million. Yeah, and Hero's going to ask for a max at the end of the season if it's a contract extension mid-season or restricted free agency. And I think if Utah kind of wants to fully rebuild the team and be flexible going forward, they don't want to pay a player like Hero who has his limitations uh, close to a max deal. Getting Markinen over Duncan Robinson, they're very similar players. I would say Markinen's better. And if you do want to rebuild, as it looks like Danny Ainge does want to, the amount of picks really does matter, especially looking at the Wayne Banyama sweepstakes this year and yeah. going forward into next year as well. So, uh, personally, if I was Danny Ainge, I'd rather the Cavs offer over anything that we could give with two unprotected picks. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a fair assessment. And uh, Utah, actually, when you look at what they've got in the hole for both players, they've actually done really well here for resetting. Uh, they've got a whole arsenal now of picks to go forward and, and rebalance their franchise. Um, and I agree. I think that, just staying with you for a second, Sam, because um, obviously we're talking about Tyler Harrow there. Um, and the, and you mentioned that he'll be seeking the max. Now, we saw RJ Barrett get four years, 120, but which is maybe, I think, a bit of an overpay. But then the Colin Sexton contract has maybe balanced it a little bit more towards our favour because that's maybe a bit of an underpay. I think 72 over four years is good value there for Utah. Um, do you think that a... I mean, well, you've already sort of said that Tyler will be seeking the max contract. Do you think that Miami will give it to him and do you think he's worth that? I think it... It does depend on what it shows this season, especially in the playoffs, because you can play a you can play a player however much they want, but if they don't really show up in the playoffs when it really matters, you're kind of spending that money for nothing. And especially with Miami, they're really pursuing like postseason success, and you've got to allocate the funds to players that will really help in that area. I feel like the Sexton contract, he's been paid less because he's just coming off an injury. There's some yeah. concerns over defense. I mean, if Tyler can show that he can be a better defender this year and consistently create his own shot without screens, etc. Maybe get better at playmaking as well. I think he can get and will deserve the max, but it's kind of, if we pay him right now, we're kind of banking on that improvement to happen rather than actually pay him after it happens and it's a sure thing. Yep, absolutely. Um, Sam Aquara, just coming back to that trade offer then, that I said there that um, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, two first round picks is a lot to give up and I personally wouldn't do that. But even Sam there saying that even if that was on the table, he still thinks the Utah offer is better for what Utah are trying to do. Uh, sorry, the Cleveland offer is better for what Utah are trying to do. Um, if that was you, if you was the if you was Danny Ainge, would you say, and that offer was put on the table, do you, would you have accepted that as Miami's offer? Ignore the Cleveland offer for a moment. Would you have set, accepted that for Miami? No, because um, like I said, taking it in comparison to what they're able to get for Rudy Gobert you want at least that sort of quality. And I don't think the names you've listed sort of 
stands up against what they got for a really good bet, and that's not even considering what they eventually got for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And just stand with you for a second then on the same sort of thing. Do you think that, you know, these two players, they're quite similar. I know there's always going to, you know, they're, they're one-way players. They're very elite at what they do. They haven't got any defence whatsoever. The argument towards Donovan Mitchell is obviously he's, he's proved that he can do, do it in the playoffs as well. He's put up massive numbers. Obviously, side by side, you say that Donovan Mitchell is the better player. Of course, he's a three-time All-Star already. But do you think Tyler has the ability to ever hit that ceiling? Do you think that Miami, you know, they obviously believe in him. They're going to extend him at some point, we think. Um, do you think that, that's the, that there's the capability there to to reach that level? And if so, do you think that that's why ultimately Miami pulled out and never really put much more of an offer on the table? Absolutely. And we have seen flashes of his greatness, even going back to his rookie season. Last year was, was an increase. The only sort of red flag was his performance in the playoffs. And he is still relatively young and I might be getting ahead of myself by mentioning this, but um, you see with his issue with Twitter yesterday, it still shows a bit of immaturity with his age. He's He's got a lot to learn. So I'm not pleased with the way people are discounting him already because he's still young and he's got a long yeah. way to go. Yeah. Um, touching on that, that is on part of my notes. The Tyler Hero abuse online is quite incredible um i know as we said that fans are emotional they get the first instinct is always anger um especially when as you said it is an offer that perhaps miami could have matched but you know i'm never never one to tell people how they should feel people can be completely upset and angry with the front office for not uh, for, for failing as they're calling calling it in this off season i'm not going to tell people that's right or wrong that's their own opinions i you know but there'll be also people that go completely the other way and that they, they they won't allow that the front office do any wrong whatsoever and anybody that dares question that um is a, is a homer etc you know this is all part of fandom you're going to get mixed opinions and this is why we're on twitter etc because you know we like to engage and we like to have our opinions but anybody that puts forward then abuse to a player because something that was completely out of his hands then that is being blamed for that. It's not like he said, I'm not going. He wouldn't have had a choice if it was going. So, do you, Sam Post, do, do you understand his reaction to for what he did? He tweeted back. He said, keep that same energy. He, 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 he said, maybe as Sam said, there a little bit of immaturity. But do you get that? Do you understand why he's done that? It's emotional for the players as well. I do, yeah, completely. And I quite like that he said that. Um, he's going to be betting on himself going into next season, especially now that he will probably be getting minutes as a starter. And I feel like the fans just need to rally around him rather than try and think of like, what trade package he would have been included in because most likely outcome, he starts for us as shooting guard next season. And yeah. we're going to have to see that um, every night. And I feel like he knows the improvements that he needs to make. And I've got confidence, and even more so with this tweet, that he's got the mentality to do so. Yeah, that's a good point because it is a, it, obviously ability is one thing and you can always develop and get there, but it all goes into mentality as well. And he is the sort of person that is obviously he's got the age on his side, but he is the sort of person that is sort of ready to prove doubters wrong. He still has this pinned tweet that he's always had ever since before he even joined Miami to say, shout out to my haters. So it's a constant reminder um, for, uh, for for him to keep getting better. Um just staying on Tyler for a minute. Do you think then that the Miami Heat will look now to extend him before the deadline on, I think it's the 18th of October, or do they 
hold tight and look for maybe the next disgruntled star, wherever that may be, Sam Aquara, what would you do? Mm. That's a very tough question. And um, to answer that, you got to consider what the end goal for this front office is. And I think it's win now. I feel like we're not too focused on the future. I think we're trying to make the most of Jimmy Butler's time frame. So I would like to think that we'll try to get as much as we can for Tyler Hero. Okay, so you see that he's gone at some point before trade trade deadline. You think you hold on to that chip because he is. Look, this is another thing to why I think that he tweeted what he did last night. Ever since he's been in the organisation, you know, he's is is caught people's eyes. Is is a quite a um, sort of flashy, not arrogant, but he's got that that persona, that aura about him where he believes in himself. He's obviously a very good player. He's got a future where he could be an all star caliber player. So he's always going to headline most of Miami's trade scenarios whoever that may be it's always going to start with Tyler Hero plus so you know that feeds into his mentality um so Sam Post do you think that do you agree with Sam there that maybe this is the way to, to go to, to 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 keep him on the table for the next star that may push you over the edge that may make you a title contender to maybe a title favorite or do you just think believe in the guy let's get inside now I think so I think it's it's silly to take him off the table completely just because like he's available in trade talks if Bill asks out or Damian Lillard is really unhappy for some reason it's still we can still keep him on the table without saying we're trying to get rid of him and we're trying to trade him if that trade doesn't materialize and he hits restrictive free agency we bring him back on close to a max that's fine if we trade him for a superstar that's also fine but I think taking him out of the equation entirely is short-sighted considering that we're trying to maximize Jimmy's prime years as well yeah and just staying on that as well where do I mean there'll be again there's been people shouting that you know we failed Jimmy and all the rest of it and this team is still good to go whatever happens as as many people fight back you know when we hear this um, failed Jimmy you know agenda you, you hear the other side go look this team minus PJ Tucker was one shot away from the NBA finals they're still a very good team they're going to contend again next year do you buy into this, Sam, that he will be disappointed? You know, we, we heard Spolstra from the end of the first year when we when we lost uh, Jimmy's first year, when we lost to the Lakers in the bubble, that they was going to make a genuine push to try and move this thing along quickly to support Jimmy's timeline to win this guy a chip. Um, so do you, where do you sit on the fouled Jimmy argument? Do you think that he's going to be a bit annoyed about the fact that nothing's going to overline or do you think that he's just going to trust the front office to do what they do even if it means running it back completely with nothing else he'll still be bought in and ready to go I feel like I he'll think, be... um sorry Sam Aquara sorry yeah <laughs> I think knowing the kind of person Jimmy Butler is he's very vocal and we would know his stance on it as soon as the season starts so once he starts getting into press conferences and gets on court, we would actually know what he thinks. But my opinion is just sort of looking at him in the off-season and looking at his interaction with the players, um, I want to believe he's keying into this roster. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clips of Max Bruce, Max Bruce in the off-season. Tyler Hero's putting a bit of muscle as well. Lord knows what Duncan's been doing. And like I said, I think it was our last podcast that we did. We might be running things back, but we might not be getting the same team. So it's a bit difficult to say, but I think it's something we have to wait and see. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, same question, Sam, posed to you because you, you was ready to go there. So uh, your thoughts on that? I feel like um, it would be ideal if we did get Mitchell or another star. But we're going to count on internal development a lot. Oladipo is going to be healthy. It looks like Lowry's been working out. He looks healthy. Duncan Robinson might learn how to shoot again. We're going to have better players from within the organisation next season. Um, Jovic could still uh, really contribute. So I feel like if there is a move to be made by the deadline that we need to make, I feel like Jimmy will trust Pat Riley to get that done. Yeah, I think that's basically it, isn't it? That's the thing. I think that you look at Jimmy from what we've seen all across his Instagram, etc. He seems like he's fine. He's not. He's, he's enjoying himself. He's training. He's working hard. And I think that that is it, basically. And that comes back to the first point I made is that, you know, players want to be around Miami Heat because they know that it's a well-oiled ship. It's a well-organised team. Sometimes things don't go your way. Um, but, you know, you, you feel that, he will buy in and he will trust the front office. Um, before we come into some of where we think the Heat seed now and where we think they sit after this Cavs trade, um, just a quick one on uh, the power forward situation, Sam Aquara, because I know we have spoke about this before on previous podcasts. It's still there. It's still the same problem. We've lost PJ Tucker, which I know the Heat did want, but we understand why they didn't. You know, that's a lot of money and a lot of years, which would have put us over the tax. So we've lost PJ. He's gone to one of our rivals. We have no real recognised power forward. We've got your Hayward Highsmith. We've got your Nikola Jovic, issues, etc. Um, but we may well start the season without one. Do you think now that we know what's happened, the, the, the whales are gone, they've gone swimming off, um, Do we? is it now right to go and trade for a, a proper starting calibre power forward? And if so, who would you choose? Well, I'm going to start my answer by reading a quote from Heat Twitter. This was tweeted 15 minutes ago from Heat versus Haters. Shout out Heat versus Haters. Imagine after all this, Duncan Robinson becomes an elite sniper again and starts at the four. So we've got options. We've got a whole load of internal options that we could choose to wait and see how they play out. And there are still a few names on the market. And... I refuse to believe the season will be over without signing one or two or three or four more people because we've got to fill the roster at the end of the day. So I would say we go for someone who fits the system, first of all, someone who plays into our system, someone who buys into the culture as well. Doesn't have to be a marquee guy, someone who can be productive enough. But I think what we do need is for our existing stars to step up, even if it's just a little bit. For the likes of Jimmy, who has already played out at a ridiculous level, if you can see a little bit more, if you can see a lot more from Kyle Lowry, I mean, his off-season has been looking fantastic. If we could see a lot from Bam in terms of aggressiveness, that power forward position, which we're worrying about, should just be absorbed by everyone stepping up a little bit more. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do agree. I think that I would like to think now that the Miami Heat do go out and get somebody of the John Collins or Harrison Barnes um, type, type calibre player, but that might not be the easiest thing to, to do. Um, so if it means that we've got to sit tight, yes, you're right. You know, Duncan Robinson, I'll maybe not have him as the four to start with. I would probably put a few in front of him first. I would actually maybe go with Jimmy. I, I spoke with Kenny from Miami Heat Beat on the last episode. I would actually start with Jimmy at the four, but we've got Max Struess, who's defensively come on a lot, especially in the second half of the season. He improved that side of his game a lot. We've got Caleb Martin who can do that job to fill in as well. And yeah, we will get minutes where we see how, how Jovic develops. And, uh, you know, the Heat have, have got quite high 
expectations on Hayward Highsmith as well. I think we're going to see quite good production from him in his development. And if all else comes to, if worse comes to worse and the worst fails, you know, UD will have to step in. But let's see, let's not hope it goes down that road yet. But we'll see, we'll see what happens at the moment. The uh, we know what the roster looks like. We may well be going into the season starting that. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's how the how we come out past trade deadline because this team will be good. It will be competitive regardless of how the roster looks. So let's just come on to finish up. Um, let's just come on to exactly that because I did a little segment to, to uh, on our YouTube channel to sort of give my quick thoughts on where I thought the heat seeded before this news. Now this news has happened, you know, sec- um, uh, Cavs with uh, Mobley and um, obviously Mitchell now. Um, they've got four young uh, Jarrett Allen. They've got four young all-star players. Darius Garland, that was the other name I was looking for. They are looking, they're, they're the right age. They've got years on their contracts. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a very good team for, for uh, you know, the, the foreseeable future. But maybe not just yet. I think that they've improved, obviously. I don't see them still better than the top, the obvious top five. Um, but that's my opinion. As you've both said there, Cole Lowry is going to be coming back in the best shape. We've got Victor Oladipo on his revenge tour. We've got Duncan Robinson that could come back and ready to remind remind everyone how good a shooter he is. So there's things that are going to be looking good for Miami, regardless of this, how this goes down. Sam Post, do you think that after the top five, Cleveland are next up? Or do you put them above any of those teams? Do you think that they, they have peaked into that? Where do you, where do you sit on Cleveland? I'll put Cleveland's kind of in a team with the Hawks right now. Um, yeah. I feel like the perimeter defense is a little bit shaky. They've got two six-one guys in their backcourt. I think having Mobley and Allen in the paint makes that less of an issue. Even so, you're leaning really heavily on Isaac Okoro to defend multiple positions and the ball handle at times. And I don't think he's at that level to be the primary guy yet. But offensively, that backcourt's like excellent. Same way with the Hawks. They added Deontay Murray. They're going to be good. I wouldn't put either of them above Miami, but it's I, I wouldn't be too surprised if I see either the team break into the top five or maybe even the top four in the East. Yep. Um, I mean, the East, when you look down, yeah, the, the Hawks have got better. You know, the the, the Raptors, <coughs> excuse me, the Raptors are going to be very good again. Um, the Knicks have improved, even though they've had a, what they will probably consider a bit of a disastrous offseason in the end. Um, but they have improved by Arius Brunson, by uh, uh, at acquiring Brunson. Do you think that um, Sam Acquara, do you think that Miami are the best of the rest? Do you think them, I had them around five. I don't think there'd be an argument for a lot of people to have them above Philadelphia in four. But do you, do you see any difference with Miami right now? And actually, does it matter? Does it matter at this stage? You know, a regular season, it's going to be brutal for the East. People will, will, will end up just sort of jostling for position. It's all about the postseason at the end of the day. But where do you see Miami? Um, yeah, I think I, I might go with you on that five, which is interesting because last season I had us in at four. And the only difference is Philadelphia going up and down. Um, I think... It's tough. It's just, it's a tough one because everyone else seems to have get, gotten better in terms of off-season transactions. So we've got the likes of um, Ingles in the box, I believe. Brogdon on the Celtics. They had um, Gillen Gallinari, but he's injured, unfortunately. Yeah. And we've seen what's gone on with Brooklyn. Everything seems to be fine and dandy. Philadelphia's got um, Harden on a lesser contract. Seems keyed in as well. We've got PJ Tucker. So. It's, it seems like everyone's improving and we're just waiting to see if anything's happening on our end, really. 
So we could be at risk of falling lower than fifth, but I think fifth is a good spot. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, even if we finish fifth, you know, we're, we're going to, if, if, if fourth is maybe our limit, you're looking at whatever you have, you're going to have one of those teams in the first round. That's that's insane, isn't it? So whatever happens, unless you manage to penetrate the top three, which, you know, is very, I mean, the Heat were number one seed last year, so it is doable. But with exactly what you've just said, it's going to be a tough, tough um, conference. It's going to be a tough year, whatever goes on. Um, so I don't really think it overly matters. I mean, they'll, they'll look for home court advantage, but you're going to be playing a bloody good team, whoever you play in the first round and certainly in the second round from there on. So I don't think it overly matters. It's all about, uh, you know, how we adapt and we do it in the postseason. So just to finish up, guys, one quick question left. There's the sort of persona on... on uh, hate Twitter at the moment. The argument going backwards and forwards is this sort of championship or bust mentality. And um, I, there was a tweet that came out, I think, from Legion Hoops just an hour or so ago that said the Miami Heat are the since 2005 have had more playoff wins than anybody else. 123 playoff wins. So that was really good timing for me because I I'm not one. I mean, look, of course, we all want to win a championship. This is why we're here, especially the Miami Heat. They're always a team that are going to want to compete at every level every year. But there's 30 teams trying to do this every year, trying to win every year. Only one can do that. So the championship or bust mentality doesn't really fly with me because you can enjoy it and watch good basketball regardless. And people that get so angry and upset that they haven't won, you know, they've got to look back at it and go, this is a hard thing to do. And if you can, along the way, win more games, more playoff games than any other team in the NBA. Well, for me, that's good. You know, that shows you're enjoying your basketball because you're watching a good team. Sam Post, where do you sit on it? Are you, are you, do you follow that logic or are you more the players? Because the argument the other way will be, we're here to win. And if we haven't win, we're failing. Look at Carl Lowry at the end of last year. We went out in the Eastern Conference game seven final. And he said, it's been a wasted season. So he's sort of under that mentality. What do you think? I kind of see both sides. I think, um, especially having quite an aging core, it's tempting to say, like, if we don't win a championship, it's, it's a wasted season. Or maybe next year, if we don't make the necessary additions to be a top three contender in the league, maybe, that, you know, we have, we've had a bad off season. But sustained success. If we traded Hero and Bam for KD, maybe next season we're title favourites. But three or four years after that, we might be near the bottom, tanking for prospects. And I feel like seeing consistent playoff basketball, enjoyable basketball with really good players that we can develop and see like play for the team through the years, that's better than pushing all the chips in. And then if you do everything right, you might still not win the championship. Yep, I, I totally agree. And I think that that's the bottom line because I don't want to ever see my team tank. I don't want to be tuning in 82 games knowing that the team is trying to lose, to do uh, an Orlando, an OKC, a Philadelphia for what, about three years before they started their process. Um, I don't want to see that ever. And I know that the front office have always said they will never, ever tank. Um, you look at Sam Aquara, just wrap us up here. You look at even that team a few years ago that had no real stars. Dwayne Wade had left. We was headlined by, you know, Dion Waiters, Hassan Whiteson, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson. They were still season. a really fun team that just had culture written all over them and they gave us a really memorable season even though they fell just short of the playoffs it was fun to watch so this is the same thing where do you where do you sit on the same argument wrap us up personally i feel that this not winning the ship is not a wasted season but i see where people's frustrations come from and i hate to blame it on this but 
it's NBA Twitter. Because once one team loses, the next team have got like the bragging rights for the rest of the year and they keep dropping it down or you're out in five, we got you out in five, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And you sort of want to have that bragging rights to continue for the next year or at least a specific level of bragging rights for another team. You don't want to be the person who's trolled over the team for the next whole season. So I get where people are coming from, but me personally, I've got to enjoy the game. I mean, we're staying up to 2, 3 a.m. just to watch it. I mean, just got to enjoy it. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to love it because... Imagine if the Heat can win it this year with this roster. Just imagine how many receipts people exactly. have got. The amount of misery that people will pile on. And the people that, do you know what as well? The people that were saying the other side of the championship bus, they will actually be, they'll, they'll see us win and they'll actually be a little bit annoyed that they wasn't right. That's how miserable this fan base can be. <laughs> but, uh, we will see. We will see. But um, either way, as you both said, you've wrapped up well. Yeah, you do see that side of it. But this team is a fun, competitive team. Yeah, it might be a second-round exit when it all come, push comes to shove, but you're going to be watching a competitive, fun basketball team, and that's what we want. We're sports fans. So everybody on socials, everybody on NBA Twitter, Miami Heat Twitter, just chill. Just chill. Just enjoy yourselves. There's more important things going on in the world. We will wrap it up right there then, guys. Um, that's the end of this episode. We will be back hopefully again next week. Um, as I said, the content will be coming thick and fast. Game day for the UK will start when the season starts. We'll try and do as many as we can. I won't say every game like I said last year because uh, maybe that's unrealistic, but we will try and do as much as we can. Please follow my guys here as well. Sam McQuire, Sam Post. Sam's going to continue to do writing as well. His articles are fantastic. So please go and bookmark MiamiHeatUK.com as well and subscribe to Miami Heat UK TV on YouTube because we've got a lot coming up. Until next time, guys, take it easy. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.